As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. Well, good evening, my brothers. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose. We are Brothers in Arms, and we are indeed armed on this July 2nd, Friday. Beautiful day <laughs> as we come off of a nasty heat wave. Unbelievably yeah. hot. It's yeah, yeah, 100 it's degrees uh, the other day. Yeah. <laughs> it's been crazy. Yeah, did you see uh, the Yankee game, one of the, the Angels' starting pitcher threw up behind the mound because of heat stroke. That's hot right there. And they there. had to pull him out of the game in the third inning. You know when a professional athlete in the right? peak of his uh, physique uh, and physical form is vomiting on the mound, you know it's hot outside. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Unbelievably. But it's great to be with you guys. We are armed with the truth, we hope to say, right? Yes, we armed are CIA, <laughs> Catholics in action. <laughs> and FBI, we are armed fervent believers in, as, as our friend uh, Jesse Romero says. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we're, we're so happy to be with you. You guys, as you as you drive home and get ready for an amazing, hopefully an amazing holiday weekend. We got the Fourth of July. Flags are going to be out. Fireworks are going to be shooting up in the sky. And mm. if you're in New Jersey, only ten feet from the ground or something like that, as the law says. Uh, but we're going to have a good time. You know, hopefully a lot of barbecues going on, and and we're celebrating uh, the independence of our nation. Yeah, well, come on over to Pennsylvania, where I live, Billy. Buy all the fireworks you want. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that, folks. Uh, as the state troopers uh, sit on the line, <laughs> waiting for people to come by. Well, anyway, we got a great show. We're gonna we have a great saint. We're gonna talk about or blessed in this case. Uh, our guest is uh, Patrick O'Hearn. We're gonna talk a little bit more about him uh, at the uh, third uh, uh, section of our show, but. You know, with, with that being said, uh, why don't we start and kick off right away with our blessed? Shall we jump right in? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Billy, our saint of the month is Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, an Italian saint, um, young man who died. Uh, he died at a young age, 24, and he was born on April 6, 1901 in Turin, Italy, and he died on July 4th, 1925. Mm, Turin, Italy. I always think of the Shroud of Turin when I hear mm, Turin. Mm. Have you ever been to Turin? Yeah. So our producer, oh, Mr. Producer's been there. He's been. All he's right. seen. He, I guess he's been. Have you seen the Shroud behind the glass? He has seen the Shroud. He has seen wow. the image of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Wow. We think at least, right? We think yes. it's the Shroud. Anyway, go when ahead. I, I just his, <laughs> when he after that his face shone. It was like a white, like uh, Moses after he came down from Mount Sinai. <laughs> he had black hair before he saw that. Yes. He, had, he went full white. <laughs> anyway, I, I've completely derailed our blessing. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. So, and he was uh, beatified on May twentieth, nineteen ninety, by John Paul II. Oh, and John Paul, mm. of course, right? And he is the patron saint of students, young Catholics, mountaineers, youth groups. He's also one of the primary patrons of World Youth Day. Huge. Well, he was young. He died young. Yeah, yeah, and he lived a, an exemplary life. Uh, he was. He definitely was touched uh, by the spirit, the, the way he lived his life. Give and, us some of his background. 
Sure. Well, his mother uh, was a painter, and his father was the founder and director of La Stampa, which was an Italian newspaper. Very politically influential family. Believe it or not, his dad was uh, the ambassador for Italy to Germany. Oh, wow. At one point. Yep. And <clears throat> so Pierre Giorgio, he had a real devotion uh, to the poor, you know, and, and he uh, also was dedicated to social justice issues from a young age. He seemed to be like innately born with this. And uh, he joined uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society, uh, Catholic Action, organizations like this. So he could better aid the poor and the less fortunate that lived in, in uh, Turin, where he mm. was from. And, you know, he had the social status, his family, that he had greater freedom to help others, you know, who needed it more. They had some, you know, they were a family of means and, and, uh, and had influence. So he was able to, he used that for the, for the good. You know, what's kind of cool about that though, George, you typically, you, you talk about a saint, you're talking about centuries in the past, right? Well, what's so cool about our blessed here is that, I mean, he took advantage of one of the, one of the societies that we can today, St. Vincent de Paul, anyone can, Sure. You know, volunteer and work with St. Vincent de Paul at, at pretty much every parish across the country. So yeah. it's, like, it's a great example of, of someone you can almost emulate, yeah. uh, emulate some of the things that he specifically did, not just, you know, sure. you know, 500 years ago, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Indeed. It's already there. Right. And, and one of a, um, a, a seminal event, um, in his childhood, you know, were one of the stories anyway, I should say there was. Uh, an occasion where when he was a kid, a child, he answered the door and he found there was a mother begging with her son at the door who was shoeless. Mm. And he took off his own shoes and gave them to the, to the child. Mm. Uh, so he really had a heart for the poor and, and acted on it. Um, but he was also the kind of, you know, kid who, uh, he had a great sense of humor, really good athlete. Mm -hmm. He was a mountaineer later in life. Uh, also a good swimmer, very good athlete. Mm, I wonder if the Italian team is going to be praying to him right now. Italy is actually uh, in in the Euros. Uh, they're 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 moving along. Oh, in the soccer. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> the Italians better start praying to him. Yeah, maybe the Yankees should too. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not go there. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> um, so, uh, but he was, he had a great personality, really outgoing too. He was, he was known as the terror due to his fondness for practical jokes, uh, as well. So he liked to have a good time. And mm. interestingly, he was an average student in school. Like he was not an outstanding student and he actually, he failed his exams in 1913. I guess he was what, 12 at that point. Uh, so his parents sent him to a uh, private school run by Jesuits. You know, so he wasn't like lighting the world on fire with his academics. It kind of kind of illustrates that, that there is a difference between intelligence and wisdom. Sure. You know, sure. Um, and w which would you rather have? You know, we all, you know, as parents, we want our kids to be these smart people and all this. But really, in the end, we want we really should want them to be good. Yeah, sure. You know, as, as the priority. Yeah, look at St. John Vianney the same way, right? Oh, yeah. The cure so, of ours, my gosh. Yeah. Um. So... He was also his father as well. That were they were uh, uh, ardent opponents of fascism because that was on the rise in Italy back mm. then when he was young, right? Uh, and Mussolini. they did not, yeah, and did not they did not support the regime of Benito Mussolini. So he would demonstrate with other uh, the Young Catholic Workers Congress. They would demonstrate. Uh, they would get you know roughed up by the police in Italy who mm -hmm. were becoming fascist, right? Because Mussolini was in power. Uh, so he was out there fighting the good fight. Yeah, uh, you know, with other young Italian people. 
You ever see clips of Benito Mussolini? I mean, it's, I don't mean to laugh at this because this was a bad man, but some of the clips, how did he get elected? You know, he's like a character. You wonder, he looks sticking like Sticking the buffoon. chin out and he's, yeah. he's puffing his chest up. You know, even Hitler, Hitler's going nuts behind the mic. I guess uh, there's, there's definitely a fever, a spirit, um, a, a, a nefarious spirit behind a lot of these men, you know, that, yeah. that captivates uh, the people, the crowds. Because when you sit back and look at them objectively, you're like, how the heck do people fall for this guy? Yeah, you know, I'm sure they had a charisma, right? Yeah. That, um, <laughs> with the, the passage of time, has that, that facade has fallen away, right? So, like, you look at them now and you're like, who are these guys? <laughs> are you kidding me? But, but, you know, about? at the moment, you know, you get yeah, caught up in no, that. I, yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, on Pierre Giorgio, so, you know, he was a really good kid, um, very active, you know, his, one of his sayings was charity is not enough. We need social reform. You know, he helped establish a newspaper, uh, when he was young, uh, as well called Memento, whose principles were based on Pope Leo the 13th's Rerum Novarum. Great Pope. Yeah. Great Pope. St. Michael the Archangel. Yeah. Right. Indeed. Um, you know, and as I said, he joined the St. Vincent de Paul uh, Society and, and others. And uh, he went to school to, to become a mining engineer because he wanted to be able to serve Christ amongst the miners. Mm. That was like his motivation for studying mining engineering. And when he graduated, his father offered him either a car or a sizable amount of money. And he chose the latter so he could give it to the poor rather than use it for himself. Mm. So a real heart for the poor. And... <clears throat> He, uh, you know, he had a lot of talents. Uh, you know, he could quote Dante with ease, despite oh, wow. his, really. you know, his failings earlier in school. Uh, but he was out boating with two friends of his in on June thirtieth, nineteen twenty-five, and uh, he complained of like sharp pains in his back muscles, and he went home, and he got worse, got a fever uh, the next day, July first, and that same day is grandmother died his oh, wow. maternal grandma so he was worried about his family like oh don't worry about me i'm fine he told everybody he was all right and take care of grandma right mm -hmm. and so they didn't you know they said okay they thought it I means a young guy 24 years old right so they thought he would be okay but then he got worse and it turns out he um had something called pyomyelitis which honestly i don't really know what it is but it was a, a fatal disease you know and on july 2nd a doctor came and asked him get up from lying down and he said I can't and uh and he had this great fatigue and and uh eventually he just you know his body just gave out wow and he died on July 4th so this upcoming Sunday wow as, right? we, as we barbecue yeah you know we we, we think of this this amazing yeah. amazing man but he, Billy one of the, the amazing thing was like his parents they expected because they were a politically influential family they expected a lot of Turin's elite to come to his funeral and be there and, and pay the respects. But they were shocked um, when his funeral procession uh, happened. There were thousands of mourners lining the streets, friends and also all the poor people of Turin mm. who he had helped. And they really had no idea. He did this all very quietly. Right. You know, and um, one hand didn't know what the other was doing, right? And uh, Indeed. And uh, they came out, and, and it was what a testimony to the life he led, even in, in a short 24 years. And ultimately, <clears throat> it was the poor of Turin that 
beseech the Pope to, to start a canonization uh, wow. process for him. Wow. It's, a, it's a great life uh, and, and example of just living within your station. <laughs> you know, um, we all have the ability to, to help others, you know, through yep. things like St. Vincent de Paul or just the opportunities that pop up in your life. You know, in yeah. this case, you know, Shoeless Joe, not, <laughs> I think a Shoeless Joe Jackson, but Shoeless not Joe. Not a good example. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, shows up at his door and what does he do? He immediately addresses it. He gives his shoes. He, yeah. And, you know, we all have those sort of yeah. examples in our life where, where opportunities pop up where we can we could serve yeah. and, and i think that that's the message there is to just to try to live in the moment and and be available yeah to to who, who comes your way yeah you know, whoever's right in front whether of you, whether right? that's hospitality or someone who doesn't have a place to eat during a holiday or whatever it is just being available yeah you know living a life of love no doubt yeah and he's a great example especially today it's on my heart a lot that the young people in our country are, have so much to deal with right i mean there's so like we all feel it. Our culture is just, you know, toxic. Yeah, it's toxic. It's, it's, you know, just eating people up and, and just filling them with things that are, are not good, and especially young people because they're so connected, right? It's like a global sadness among the young. Yeah, yeah, it is. You it know, is. Uh, all the distractions, all the distractions from what's truth, right, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but, blessed, and Pierre, Giorgio Frasati, he has the antidote, you know, uh, Service, service poor service and social action right social yeah. justice you know I, I think of fulton j seen used to always say that when you're down and out what do you got to do serve go serve go help your neighbor always makes you, you know? feel better right it does it does yeah. you know we and and it just illustrates what we were made for we were made for community we were made for love yeah and we, we think about the mystical body of christ right mm. we're the church militant on earth we're the ones looking through the glass darkly but in heaven you know, we're part of the mystical body of Christ. There's, there's this mystical unity that we have, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it always takes the other to truly love, right? It, it takes relationship. And that's what we're made for. And I think when we live that, when we, in the little ways that we can, family is the easiest way to, 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 to illustrate that. But is it? Among, well, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can choose your friends. You can't choose your family, right? But I mean, in some ways, that's the crucible and the test of love, yeah. right? You know, yeah. you, you know, despite all, all the the, uh, the issues that we face that we try to love through that and imperfectly, but yeah. it's sort of our proving ground, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. It sure yeah. is. I mean, you have to deal with me. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, talk about a purgatorial sentence and, on earth. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that that door swings both ways. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, well, anyway, so blessed Pierre, pray for us uh, as we gear up for an amazing, hopefully an amazing celebratory weekend. And uh, hopefully people aren't working on the 4th and you have a nice three-day weekend and enjoy it. Enjoy the weather. Um, enjoy the freedom that we have in this country, you know, while we have it at least. <laughs> <laughs> For now. <laughs> For now. But anyway, uh, you know, stick with us. Uh, we're going to be back in two minutes and we're going to get into some of the news. We have a big problem. Our culture is dying and souls are in danger of being lost. The answer is conversion to Jesus Christ in His Church. St. Paul Street Evangelization is a Catholic organization and we have hundreds of teams spreading the good news throughout the country. But we need your help. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Find out more and get involved today at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. Bishop Robert Barron on the Priesthood. 
I'm kind of a teacher by nature. I always have been. I've always loved books and ideas and life of the mind and speaking and all that. So I brought that into the priesthood. You know, a very wise thing was said a long time ago, namely that if God chose you to be a priest, he chose you to be a priest, meaning he chose you with your particular gifts and what you're going to bring. So you don't leave that behind. On the contrary, God chose me with these particular gifts. So I've always discerned that teaching and writing and and, uh, preaching and proclaiming would be a key part of it. And it has been. I found great joy in that. I've always found joy in the uh, pastoral work. You know, I did it when I was newly ordained. I was in a parish for four years. And whenever I would go to a hospital, I go to a nursing home, go into the school, counsel, engage couples. I mean, I always found great joy in that, even though it's challenging. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. We asked people all over America, what have you done for your marriage today? It's a good question. I gave a huge hug this morning. We've actually organized a date night tonight. I took the baby while she worked. Um, I sent my husband a love email. I have carried my wife's purse. I shopped. We talked. I made my wife laugh. She's still laughing. (laughs) What have you done for your marriage today? Do something a little special. Get started at foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Communication Campaign. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Marr. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose, the original Wonder Twin Power, Activate. <laughs> we just had our, our first uh, session of our show, if you want to call it that. Uh, we talked about a great, a great uh, blessed, right? Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. You know right. what, Billy? It's, always, it's a big weekend in New York, we failed to mention. Okay. You may not, you may not be aware, El- elucidate. but it's the Subway Series. The Yankees are oh, playing the right. Mets in, right. in the Bronx this weekend. Do you know, weekend. I was at Game 1 of the Subway Series in the bleachers when Viscano in the 12th inning hit that base hit and brought in the winning run. Oh, really? I was there. Wow. I was in the bleachers. Wow. I think that stadium was like the ocean going up and down. It was the most surreal experience. Yeah, that experience. old stadium was amazing. I, but it was like literally like the ocean. And it then as, as people were walking outside, it was continued. People were up and down. It was like the most surreal yeah. thing. You talk about the spirit of, of exuberation. It's just people were just like lit. It was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah. Well, let's hope that happens this weekend too. We haven't been too good this year. So. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're, them them Mets are playing well. <laughs> well, they're not actually playing that much better, but their division's a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> so they appear they, to be a lot better. I think they got better pitching, though. Don't you think? Right now, um, you can't say that, George. That's yeah. I can say that. George works for the Yankees, by the way. So I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. We're we're struggling this year as Yankee fans. But anyway, going into the news, what um, do you got for the news, Billy? You know. I, I, a couple of articles I saw, um, um, Catholic News Agency had an interesting article about how Pope Francis uh, is asking us in July to pray for the intention to end polarization. Mm. And I think that, that was sort of apropos because, my gosh, I, I, you know, we can speak as Americans. This country has never been more polarized. Mm. I, I have never seen anything like this. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you got to be careful on, on almost every topic. I mean— the topic of like COVID nineteen pops up, and all of a sudden you have two camps. It's like everything. Yeah, people are divided, and I think that this is a, a an important intention, and I think something really worth praying on in July to end this polarization. Yeah, so that's the Holy Father's intentions for the month of July. Yeah, yeah. yeah so pray, Good. pray to end polarization. I think it's yeah. apropos and it's really worthy of mentioning. The other mm. thing that I I thought was uh, pretty cool um, is uh, you know. Uh, Francis met up with Benedict the 16th mm-hmm. in honor of his 70th anniversary of his uh, 
his ordination as a priest. Seventy years. Wow. Can you imagine that? That doesn't years happen too often, huh? No, just think of it. Do the math on that. I mean, what, yeah. usually you're in your late 20s, usually, aren't you, when you get ordained a priest? Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, my gosh, 70 years. I mean, when you hear of 70 years wedding anniversary, you're like, oh, my, my goodness. Mm. This is 70 years of priest. And uh, so I hope I live to 70. <laughs> Until you're 69, and then you're like, I hope I live to 100. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought that that was really worth uh, mentioning. So let's pray for for Benedict, this extremely holy How man. How old is Pope Benedict now? What is he? 90s, 90 something. Yeah, wow. I, I I guess we can. We need a fact checker, by the way. We need someone in that chair over there with a computer, just being able to <laughs> fact check things for us, get statistics. We could bring in my son Sean; he's good at that. There you go. <laughs> Start bringing Sean. We need we yeah. need someone to fact check for us. There's another. Uh, it was interesting. I was going through. Uh, I think it was the Drudge Report, and there was an interesting article. Uh, I always I gravitate to these articles when they come in the secular news. It was from the uh, Daily Star, and 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 the the title of the article is "Terrifying Exorcism Saw Women Levitate with So Much Force." She nearly smashed the ceiling. And it's, a, it's an article about how in the 1980s there was this uh, woman who was possessed. And to the, to the tone of the, uh, the article's title, she was levitating in the air and so forth and sort of freaked everyone out. But it's amazing. I, 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 I like reading these kind of articles because I, I, I often think that, you know, there, there are arguments for the existence of God, you know, the first cause, you know, primary movement. There's all these amazing arguments, Thomas Aquinas's, so many of them. And I think one of the ones that we don't really talk much about is the existence of evil. Mm. And I think it's a very strong proof source when, when, when you hear and, and you read of these, these uh, situations of possession where, you know, the demon is compelled to obey at the name of Jesus Christ. It really mm. talks about the authority mm. in the universe, if you will, that, you know, and, and for me, at least for me, it's one of the, one of the arguments that resonates with me, mm -hmm. you know, that if evil can exist uh, ontologically, I mean, that this evil force, and yet it can be kept in check. You know, I, I remember 9-11 um, like it was yesterday. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. I remember seeing the towers burning. I lived in Teaneck at the time. And I often think that if evil that real can exist, there has to be a God. Mm. Because if that exists, we shouldn't be alive. We, we would be smited from existence mm. millennia ago, you know? Interesting perspective. You know, and, and, and yeah. so I, I often, I, I read these articles and they pop up and, and I think that they're, uh, they're sort of a, an interesting proof source. You, mm. you mentioned, we were talking briefly about this beforehand, you mentioned Malachi Martin's book, Hostage to the Devil. Very chilling. Um, a oh, sort of a graphic read, too, that book by the way. terrified me. <laughs> yeah, no, and it, it's sort of tough to put it down. Yeah. But, you know, Malachi Martin, a former uh, deceased now, a Jesuit priest, uh, and uh, I guess I guess he was an exorcist, or he said he was an exorcist, you know, sort of. Um, well, he left the Jesuits, He too. did, he, he did. Very... So it was sort of vague, what, 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 what one, but a prolific writer. At, at, Incredible at, writer, yeah. And with at minimum, but he he wrote a very chilling book. And then you know you think of uh, Father Gabriel Morth's books on exorcism, mm -hmm. you know, um, which are sort of they read sort of like textbooks on uh, not just exorcism, but but ultimately on the the nefarious nature of the devil. You know how he can uh, he can attack you through normal temptation, which we all deal with. But there's mm -hmm. diabolical infestation, diabolical obsession, and of course diabolical possession. Yeah. Um, very much like a textbook, but, um, you know, it's, sometimes it's good, I think healthy to, uh, 
once in a while read these articles because I and it's it's even funny like you, my teenage sons they'll watch the Conjuring movies, and I, I'm I'm totally fine with it because I will tell you their prayer life after watching one of those movies is certainly elevating. Mm, mm. So uh, it, you certainly don't want to have an unhealthy attachment to this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but I think once in a while reading an article or a book on the topic, uh, I, I do think is healthy. Sure. You know, cause well, it's it, real. It, it's a right? reality. Yeah, it's yeah. a reality. And, uh, uh, it is fascinating. Right. But, but you can get kind of stuck on it too. If you, you can, you know, on, yeah. on, on the devil and, and you what the devil is doing rather yeah. than, you know, on what on, on the positive view, you can focus too much on the negative. But, yeah. Uh, I, I, I often think of the, the Christological, <laughs> Paul, uh, um, uh, uh you know, uh, writings to St. Paul when he writes that, you know, that every knee should bend on heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess mm. the glory of God the Father. You know, when Gabriel Morth was at a breaking point in his uh, in his um, exorcisms, he'd often read that Christological poem mm. in the scriptures. And he was it was a very moving experience he could write because at that moment that every knee should bend, the possessed was always compelled to kneel. Mm. At the name of Jesus Christ, that's the demon, mm. not wanting to, but submitting mm. to God. You know, that's a, that's Jesus a, that's Christ. awesome. That's it really is, and awesome. and this then this is where you know it, it's. I think this is where the health the healthy nature of 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 looking into some of these things is. And, you know, of course, proved sources and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, worth mentioning. It was interesting. It's in the Drudge Report this morning, actually. Yeah. Well, if anybody gets a, hasn't read uh, Hostage to the Devil, I'd I'd recommend it. Uh, it's stories of five different exorcisms, I, uh, but right? I would say uh, an adult because there is some for kids. It could be really well. Scary. No, some of the one of the stories is it's very like it's sexual and stuff like is that. It? So yeah, yeah, I would. Oh, okay. I'd be very careful with. It's been that. Been a long time since I read it. I didn't remember. Didn't remember that. Well, it just <laughs> shows that George is not having attachment issues. It's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's just been like. 25 years since I read it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll do it too. But uh, the, the final thing I, I thought about mentioning is, uh, you know, we, we often talk about health. You know, it pops up on this show. Um, and right now in, in the news is so much talk about this Delta variant mm. of, of COVID-19. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, don't get me going on where this could go. But what, what is the Delta variant? It's just an extremely... Yes, what is it, it's, it's a more transmissible version of COVID. Okay. 40 to 60% time, uh, more transmissible, they say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, hospitalizations are significantly up theoretically with this. But one of the things I want to mention, and, you know, it's good to talk about good health. You know, I saw a recent statistic from the CDC that 78% of all hospitalizations were in patients that were overweight. Mm. Um, so that... That 78%. 78%. So that rings to, well, let's stay in good health, right? Mm-hmm. You know, watch your weight, you know, uh, you know, watch what you eat, exercise, really important. But one of the things that happens in, in elderly, by the way, which is a high percentage of mortality, or higher, I should say, and in overweight patients is you tend to get suppressed levels of vitamin D in that population. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're the, not outside as much, you're not as active, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and, and it's a, it's a comorbid disease in itself and mm-hmm. and obviously uh, you know you you lose adequate uh manufacturing of d and so forth in the body so d d supplementation is really important yeah um and it's high, much higher than most people think you know i, I mean i take five thousand to ten thousand i use a day um but if you have an adequate d level you your body your immune system will prevent a cytokine storm so adequate d levels will increase your immune system but it'll it'll put a ceiling on it 
so that you don't ever go into a position where you have that classic cytochrome storm where you have this inflammatory reaction. This is what's killing people with COVID, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So D is critically important. We often talk about zinc, right? Keeping your zinc levels mm-hmm. up. Yep. And, uh, you know, the, the hack, the hydroxyquinolone hack, you, obviously you don't have hydroxychloroquinolone. No mm-hmm. one has access to that unless it's prescribed. And this it's sort of frowned upon to be prescribed. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the ways, are, uh, I wouldn't say around it, but a sort of a hack is to include quercetin in your diet or EGCG, which, George, you know well. It's green tea. Epigallocatechin. Yep. Gall- uh, yep. it's, it's a phytochemical in green tea. Mm. And, and, it, and both of those phytochemicals act as a ferry mm-hmm. system for zinc to go into the cell, which is how hydroxychloroquinolone would work. Mm. So these are like little things that you could do on the side and, and just sort of keep your immune system up. What is quercetin, Bill? Is that a supplement, like a pill, it's, a yeah, capsule? It's a, it's a phytochemical found in like the surface of apples and it's in onions. And it's, uh, you know, it's... But it's, you could also buy it as a, in a, you a can. supplement capsule. You can. And, 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 like, and it's actually interesting. It's an interesting um, supplement because quercetin has been shown to be a senolytic agent, which on a side topic, we're talking about aging, but um, as, as we get older, we start uh, creating what are called zombie cells. You know, your, your cells will divide to such a point mm. where they won't divide anymore and they sort of go sour. And they start kicking out factors like the CD38 and all these, these toxic factors are kicked out by this dispensed cell mm. and those toxic factors make more zombie cells they call mm. them right they start going senolytic mm-hmm. um quercetin actually will remove those cells it's actually been shown to be an anti or, or a, a senolytic drug if you will mm. so taking autophage it, yeah so so yeah sort of mm. uh, autophagy is a little bit of a different process but um actually there is a supplement that that promotes autophagy it's called spermidine Oh yeah, yeah. Spermidine, it's which is uh, found in in, uh, in different things. Uh, you can actually get that as well. I don't mean to get derailed, but um, <laughs> but I, you know, for 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 COVID uh, nineteen, whether whether it's the Delta variant or any variant, just you know, it's important to stay healthy. Mm. It really is. Yep. You yep, know, and, sure. and uh, not oh, not panic. And and I do, you know, I feel sorry for people that are driving and they're all masked up. <laughs> it's, yeah. I say that you know, if you're alone and in your car. You're not going to catch COVID nineteen, <laughs> so you can take the mask off. And I am not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think people do it. I think well, it's like a security blanket, right? But uh, we were talking before the show too about uh, you know some Catholic universities that are requiring vaccination now too. Notre Dame is requiring its students to have vaccination, COVID vaccination. And, and here's where we get St. Edward's University in Iowa as well. Yeah, I mean, here, but Notre Dame. I, I here's where the polarization starts because. Yep. Depending on how your stance is on that, I mean, it's you get a vehement counter argument. Uh, the only thing I could say is, is I, I, I'm a little nervous giving young kids a vaccine because of some of the potential side effects. You know, the inflammation yeah. of the heart. You know, um, it's it's real. So you know, the mortality rate in a, in a young person is so astronomically low. I mean, half of my or my whole household had COVID. I had COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and um, most of my kids, except two, were completely asymptomatic, which means they had no symptoms. Yeah. Um, I had what felt like the flu. My, my wife had what felt like the flu. My son, Chris, had what felt like the flu. And uh, it wasn't too bad. It was mild. Now, granted, we, we do dose vitamin D and zinc and all those things. And after about three days of this, we all went on ivermectin. And within a day and a half, we were better. I mean, mm. there was no more symptoms. Um, but I think the moral of the story is, you know, you know, there's no one overweight in our house. That helps, right? Mm-hmm. 
you know, vitamin D's we're being, we're dosing. So just stay healthy, you know, get your vitamin D in you and, uh, you know, live your life. Yep. Yep. And, but it is also, you know, you never know if you're going to be that one though. Well, that's the thing. You know, there's that out, like, that's the thing. There's been some people who've gotten it and they've really had a rough, died, you know, people have died from it. Um, and who uh, were seemingly, you wouldn't expect that to happen from this. And that, it, that's that is the so weird, spooky COVID, thing you know? about this. It, yeah. it, it does have that odd outlier yeah. effect. And, uh, but uh, at the same time, you could almost say that's, I mean, life. I mean, anything could happen. We're, could happen we're, we're guaranteed too, one right? thing <laughs> that we're going to die. <laughs> it's just a question of when. It's Christophonic says, no one gets out of here alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Anyway, um, so stay healthy, guys. Uh, enjoy your barbecues. And uh, I think our president said we now can barbecue, right? Did he? Fourth oh, of July. thank No, I Lord. think he said as long as we do what we were supposed to do, we were going to be able to barbecue on the 4th. Did he? Did he say that, Billy? <laughs> he did, he did. Actually, I think so. <laughs> a while ago. Anyway, uh, uh, we're getting derailed here. We're going to be back in two minutes with uh, Mr. Patrick O'Hearn. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. Do not let your heart be troubled. Is your heart troubled? Well, what about? Well, I have my children are not in the church. We've had tragedy after tragedy in our family. This one is a born loser, never been successful in his life. This one has terrible pain. So who knows Jesus? And yet our dear Lord looks at us with great love as only a friend can, a real friend, and, and say, don't let your hearts be troubled. And I want you to, to think of that. He's saying, don't let it. Ah, oh, now that means you can do something about it, doesn't it? Huh? He doesn't say, I'm going to help you not to let your hearts be troubled. No, he said, you don't let it trouble you. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. My family left the church because of a, a, a very negative experience with a specific priest. And that took my whole family away from going to church for a long period of time. There were other Catholic churches and there were great Catholic churches and great priests, but we stopped because of that one specific instance. And in a way, I was, I was cheated out a big part of my journey and my life uh, because we weren't in the church. In life, it seems like we're always enslaved to something. And I think that's, that's basically where our, what our culture is all about right now is we are, we are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. My involvement in the church, my relationship with God is who I am. It, it's what gives me my identity. Thank God I'm home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Maher, and I'm here with my co-host, George Rose, and we are Brothers in Arms. That we are, Billy. <laughs> and so we're, welcome back, guys, uh, as you uh, trek on your way home from work on this Friday evening. Uh, we're here with our uh, a guest, actually. It's uh, Patrick O'Hearn. I guess, I guess, Patrick, we could say Patrick O'Hearn from Tan Books. Is that fair to say? That's correct. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. We're, we're delighted to talk a little bit about what, you, uh, what you're what you doing over there and also what you've recently published. Yeah. Oh, it's, an honor. it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, Patrick, this is George. How are you? I'm doing well. Yourself? Good, good. I, I just wanted to make sure that you're aware... 
that my co-host, his name is Bill Maher, but it's not that Bill Maher. Same spelling, though. <laughs> I, always say, I always say I'm the bizarro Bill Maher. The bizarro, no, you're the real Bill Maher. You know, it's funny. He grew up, Patrick, he grew up like two towns away from me. And my grandfather was 17 out of 19 uh, single births. You know, and he, you know, talk about like 1800 he was born. So I, I, I'm probably related to the creep. To be honest with you. Oh, you think so? <laughs> I think so? What did you say? Your grandfather was one of 19? 17 out of 19. He was number 17 out of 19. Uh, no kidding. You're, Holy cow. Uh, you're going to redeem the name. I, you know, one of my my friends is a nun, uh, Sister Bethany Madonna, Sister of Life up up in your area there. And I always told her, I was like, when, you t- when she took that name, I'm like, you're going to get it back, you know, claim it back after Madonna spoiled it. <laughs> oh, that's so true. She that, tried, right? That's so funny. She's still trying. <laughs> so, Patrick, thanks so much for coming on the show. Just to give the guys a little background on you. So, uh, we have a mutual friend, Trent Beatty, from uh, the National Catholic Register, and, and he did an article on you last month. Um, and he recommended, he said, oh, you, you should reach out to uh, Patrick for your next show. And uh, you were recently... Uh, got the job uh, as the uh, editor at Tan Books, right? That's correct. So, and you've also published a couple books of your own. I think recently you came out with a book called Parents of the Saints. Mm. Um, and uh, so you're a writer, you're an editor, you, you work for a publishing house. And um, I see that you also went to, of course, I shouldn't be surprised, but you have a master's in education from Franciscan University in Steubenville. Why it's just amazing. Steubenville just pumps them out. <laughs> you're, you're, you're Patrick. You're a product. You're a product of an amazing education. Yeah, so, absolutely. I really, yeah, really a blessing to be there. I met, met my wife there. I, I didn't go there to meet. That wasn't my main reason I went there. I know some people. You know, they go there. I mean, I always say like, <laughs> if you can survive going through there, and and, and, you, and you don't meet your wife, I think you got a vocation of the priesthood because there's so many amazing Catholic <laughs> women there. What's the ratio? Is it is there more women to men? There is. I, I don't know the ratio. I think it's. I, I believe it's like two to one. I think it's it's so. Right. Wow! How All about right. that? Yeah, they should tell that more. <laughs> I, I didn't know that to the guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell my sons that actually. <laughs> That's great. So, Patrick. So how? So you're young, young guy. I mean, 37, I believe, and um, got this job with Tam Books. So tell. How did how did that come about, and um, uh, and and what is like the the mission of Tan Books? A lot of our yeah. listeners out there may not know. Yep. Yeah. So the, I really got the job. Uh, sadly, the former editor passed away. You know, unexpectedly, he was in his fifties. Uh, never met him before, John Morehouse, but mm. just an unbelievable man, uh, husband and father. And then uh, I had been you know, wanted to work in you know, a Catholic publishing company. You know, I was in North Carolina, and I, I prayed to a novena to Our Lady, and on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, out of nowhere, I get a text from the uh, the CEO of Tan Books, and I mm-hmm. had some mutual connections with some people that lived in the Charlotte area, and so that's it's, it's really a, I, I credit to Our Lady, um, you know, getting me the job. And then uh, Tan Books, the mission, I, I always grew up loving Tan Books. It's kind of, you know, you think about, like, Nike and all these places as a young boy, you know these these brands that you're like and that you um, you kind of idealize as a little boy and Tan Books was that you know all those all those lives of the saints books I loved reading and our mission at Tan Books is to be you know to become saints to make people into saints and I always say that if the saints in heaven could give like an imprimatur to our books I feel like they would 
they would support canned books. Uh, you know, we get we publish you know, so many incredible classic books on you know from Saint Ignatius of Loyola, Therese, and then you have these books just to build up for men, like the Spiritual Combat, which is the book that that influenced uh, St. Francis de Sales. Mm-hmm. So a lot of incredible books, books and we hope to continue um, uh, just pumping out more books for the for men and for families uh, to help us all get to heaven. You guys also do an amazing job of reprinting classics. Um, I, I, we, I, I And by the way, you just kind of gave away your whole past. You obviously grew up in a pretty good Catholic household if there were 10 yeah. books uh, on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a little bit of a, you know, you gave that away. It was a head fake, but we, we picked up on it. <laughs> You know, I, I remember, um, I, and I still have this, it's a, the rattiest, torn-up copy of Vez DuPont's book on prophecy, Catholic prophecy. I remember that as a kid, it was in my household. And, you know, as a, as a 12-year-old, you're reading that stuff, and you're just mesmerized, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's my mem- one of my me- memories of uh, Tan books, Vez yeah. DuPont's classic. Yes, yeah, I mean, just so many great—I mean, my, my favorite book is that when I was interviewed— I like. There's a book called Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. Divine Providence, yes. And it and it's uh, it, there's two priests that are on it. Then there's Saint um, Claude de Colombert, who's yep. the spiritual director for Saint Margaret Mary. And then my boss, the, the CEO, he's his favorite book, and I, I recommend this too. It's it's called um, Humility of Heart by Father Cajetan de Bergomo. He was an Italian saint, uh, just a, just filled with uh, you know, so many. Thoughts here to, to to help in our day. You know, we have so many people. We all of us, you know, especially men, we struggle with pride. And when you read that book, it just it brings you to your knees. Just how to work on humility every single day of your life. Well, trustful surrender in particular for us today, with as the world just spirals out of control, it's easy to get disheartened. And uh, that is, and what's great about that read, by the way, is it's a short read, but it is profoundly powerful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I, I would recommend all to see we have a men's show, um, Patrick, and all the men listening, I would really recommend Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence yeah. as something that you read what your men's group get from Tan Books. Um, it's short and it can be a great um, topic for your men's groups and so forth to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Th- I think that was one of, you know, when I was in college, I almost joined the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal and I'd go to the Bronx there, you know, by you guys there, and I'd met, uh, you Father know, Father Marius. Groeschel, and that was one of his favorite books. You know, he loved that book, and then there's another one, uh, Abandonment to Divine Providence by Father D. Kassad. So those were, like, I think two of the books that he always he, he recommended. Yeah, that's that's the classic work. Yeah, and what, yeah. And what was the other one you recommended, Patrick? Humility of the Heart? Yeah, <clears throat> the Humility of Heart. Humility of Heart. Yeah, he, yeah Humility of Heart. And that's a, that's a, you can knock that book out in a week, but it just said that there is no saint in heaven, you know, without who didn't have humility, you know. So I think that's like the requirement, obviously, for us when we wanted to get to heaven. You see all the saints; they were all humble. It's um, awesome stuff. So, so, so let's talk a little bit about what you have actually published. In particular, um, I think your most recent work is on the parents of the saints. I think it's an amazing topic because sometimes, um, you know, we, we we love to read about the lives of the saints. Sometimes they can they can almost they're they're so like amazing they're so they, they live these amazing lives sometimes it's tough to even relate to them but the parents of the saints you know I think that there's a relatability that's even greater with when you read about like a parent of a saint you know uh, you think I think of Saint Monica or the parents of Saint Therese um, 
It's just the ordinary people living ordinary lives, but in an extraordinary way. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that book? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the reasons I wrote this book is, you know, after I discerned, I spent about three years in a Benedictine monastery. And when I discerned out, I, I had difficulty relating to some of my favorite saints, you know, mostly because they all took a vow of celibacy. Hmm. So then God put this book on my heart to inspire parents. And, and I, one of the things that I wrote in there is I also included a lot of their mistakes. And I did this because I didn't want to sugarcoat the lives of the saints. You know, when you, often you read the saints, uh, you know, you, you feel like you're inspired by them, but then at the same time you feel like you're kind of convicted, but you also feel like, wow, I'm so, I'm, I'm just so, I'm, I'm, I'm not hitting the mark. Mm. And when I, when, I, when I wrote these stories, they, they, I absolutely I made them more relatable. And, and, as most of the, and most of us are called to the married vocation. So it's neat to see, like, how was John Paul II formed? How was St. Jose Maria Scriva? And so throughout this book, I have seven hallmarks, you know, which I began with the sacramental life, sacrificial love, solitude, um, simplicity, uh, I'm trying, <laughs> and the sacredness of life, I may be missing one more, and suffering. So all seven of these hallmarks, I have stories that sent around all these hallmarks. Wow. Solitude strikes me uh, because that's not the world we live in. Um, when you think about it, you you know, even I, I have to admit, first thing I wake up uh, and, and I convict myself because I look at the emails on my phone right away. Did I get any emails or texts? And and we have so many distractions that, you know, we really, you, you have to sort of aggressively seek solitude. I mean, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because yeah. I think that's something that we, we all suffer from, at, especially as guys, you know, mm. I mean, as we, as we try to, mm. as we try to, you know, live our lives on a daily basis. Yeah, there's a saint in there, uh, St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows, who's a passionist brother, died at the age of 24, and his father was the mayor of Assisi. And every morning, you know, imagine the mayor, the responsibility you have. He would get up and he would spend an hour in prayer. Um, mm. and, and I thought that that was, you know, often the more responsibilities we have, I think we need to go to prayer even more. And then you have other saints, you know, St. Gianna's mother at nighttime, she would do, you know, she would uh, do spiritual reading. So it is important. You know, I know not all of us men can do an hour of prayer every morning, but at least, you know, we should strive for at least 20 to 30 minutes when we wake up first thing in the morning when it's quiet. And that sets our day, you know, on that, on that proper tone for, for the rest of our day. I think it's amazing advice. Yeah, that is great advice. And actually, Patrick, I've been doing um, uh, the Bible in a year with Father Mike Schmidt's uh, podcast. I don't know if, if you guys have yeah, heard of it. Yeah, familiar with it. <clears throat> But, um, yeah, I was kind of convicted uh, a few months back that, you know, I needed to give my first fruits to God at the beginning of the day. And I've been pretty consistent in, you know, that's the, in the morning when I get up, that that's what. I, and it's an easy, it's 20, 20 to 30 minutes, depending on the day of the podcast. But mm. uh, it may, you feel good because I feel like I'm, I'm giving the first fruits of my day to God, you know, and, and it just makes me more centered and, and um uh, helps me to be uh, a better parent, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's where the suffering yeah. comes in, parenthood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it's kind of humbling. You read, you know, I have St. Thomas More in there, but I talk about his father, but I did reference, you know, I wanted to put, you know, stuff about the saints, too. And St. Thomas More, he would spend five hours in prayer every morning. So when I feel like, well, if I can't give God like 20 to 30 minutes, here's a saint that's praying like five mm. hours every morning. Five hours. And, uh, yeah, and then you have... Uh, St. John Paul II's father, and many of you know this story, but you know, after his mother passed away, his father would, would spend the evenings you know, on his knees in prayer. And that was, John Paul said, 
50 years later, he was reflecting on that. And he said, that was like my first seminary. Mm. So our, our prayers, when our children see us on our knees, I think mm. it's the most powerful thing, you know, it, it, especially even at Mass. You know, if they don't believe in the real presence, you know, just, then at least by our example, our devotion, I think that'll show to them, wow, my, my, my father and my mother, they, they truly believe that Jesus is in the Eucharist. Yeah, that, and that is, uh, in fact, the percentage of Catholics that believe in the real presence is, is sad, sadly very low. Yeah. But it's, you know, you talk about Father Groeschel, he tells a great story about how his friend priest uh, decided to make an impromptu visit to Albert Einstein in Princeton, and uh, he wanted to just see Albert Einstein, and, and <laughs> Albert Einstein's secretary's like, oh, no, no, Mr. Einstein's busy, can't see you, but apparently Einstein heard what was going on and said, what, is that a Catholic priest? Well, let him in, let him in. Mm-hmm. And he ushers this priest in, you know, and, and Father you know, uh, Groeschel's uh, Jersey City accent voice, you know. So Charlie walks up the steps, and they starts talking to Einstein, and Einstein shuts him down and says, wait a second, I need every piece of literature you have on the real presence of the Eucharist in German. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Groeschel kind of uh, ends the story by saying, I don't know if this ever occurred, but here is maybe one of the most brilliant men in the last 500 years who wanted to spend time studying the real presence. Remember, this is a man who understood early, the early uh, um, um, concepts of quantum physics and all those things. And the idea of something have, uh, having a substance and a different, you know, uh, ex- essence, essence it, you know, or, you know, accidents, is something that could be real. And this is, this is science. Mm. And uh, I, I'm always struck with that story when I, when, I, when I think of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. We're, we live in an age where quantum physics is actually sort of making this stuff very more accessible, even mm-hmm. from, the, from the eyes of science. Pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's so tr- yeah, so true. So, Patrick, we always um, like to uh, ask our guests, too, um, you, you grew up in a Catholic household, obviously, but... What's your? Do, do you have like a glory story, a conversion story, or, or were you always this holy? <laughs> <laughs> no, my wife can tell you I'm not that holy. No, I, so give uh, us the real scoop. <laughs> yeah, no, so I, I I grew up. You know, we would go to you know Sunday mass, and you know, I went. It was kind of in college. You know, I went to a. You know, I kind of I, I transferred a couple times, and but I was at this Newman Center. I had a roommate. I just I was kind of struggling. You know, I was always after. You know trying to get straight A's, and then my roommate was at so much, at so much peace, and I, I was like, why are you so happy? Why are you so at peace? Mm. I realized he was going to daily Mass, and then I was like, okay, I better, I, I, want, I want that. So then I started going to daily Mass in, in uh, high school, or sorry, in my first year of college. I never looked back. Uh, obviously now with you know, work schedule, sometimes Masses aren't, you know, they're, they're not available at certain times, but I do try, if I can, to go a couple times during the week. But th- that, that's what kind of lit a fire in me was just the I think the Eucharist I started uh, you know going to uh, trying to go to daily mass and then obviously just devotion to our lady started taking off in college but I wasn't I wouldn't say growing up I was you know again Sunday your typical Catholic going to mass on Sundays maybe sat, maybe receiving confession twice a year wasn't that good and then college just started taking off so at, Fr- at Franciscan you went there undergrad as well you know, I didn't. I, I, I thought about, I went to St. Ambrose in Iowa. Okay. I, I thought about transfer to St. Ambrose, but I'm uh, sorry, to Franciscan, but uh, I transferred a couple times. I'm like, ah, I want to graduate on time. So. <laughs> but, uh, but re- so the witness of your roommate, I guess, right? And yeah. their example is what, what attracted you. Yeah. 
That's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think my parents too, you know, we always, when we go on road trips, we pray the rosary. My parents were faithful Catholics, but, and even now it's kind of, it's beautiful to see how their faith is, they've just kind of taken off, you know, just praying the rosary every day and, and going to mass every day. So I, you know, it's kind of, I tell them like fine wine, you know, they get, you know, they, gr- they get better with age. So. <laughs> it seems like a lot of, a lot of Catholic couples when they get older, you know, and you're more in that retirement mode, they, they have time. Like my grandparents were daily communicants. I remember their names were, Joseph and Mary. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of expectations. Yeah, they and, live they, up to uh, and they were daily communicants, both of them, as I knew them, right? But as my grandparents, but I don't think when they were raising my mom and her sisters that they, you know, when you're busy, right? Like you are now with yeah. your kids, uh, you don't have, it's difficult to get to mass every day. I, yeah. I, I've reflected yeah. on that, Patrick, actually. I think, well, of course, God's wise, but there's wisdom in the aging process. You know, remember yeah. the wages of sin are death, but why did it have to be this slow grinding collapse and corruption of the body? I, I think that's an ultimate grace and gift from God because as you know, your body decays, you start getting humble and realize <laughs> yeah. your mortality. It's yeah. A, it's a gift. In the yeah. end. You're not invincible. It, it is. You know, the saints always say to, you know, to prepare every day. You know, it's a kind of a trite saying to live every day if it's your last, but really it is, you know, even St. Alphonse said, you know, when you go to Holy Communion, you should go as if it's your last Holy Communion. You go to confession because you don't know when God can take you. I mean, God can take you at any moment. So it kind of becomes even more, you kind of lock in. You're kind of like a, a baseball player, as you say. I know you guys, you know, it's your connection with the Yankees. You know, some of those players, it's like this could be their last you know, last year in the pros when they take the mound. So they go up there and they're like, hey, I'm going to give everything I have in this, you know, in this moment. So it's a kind of a lesson for all of us. It is. It is. I, I want to put a plug out there for your works. Uh, guys, um, Patrick, Patrick O'Hearn's got three books published, as I see it on Amazon. Parents of the Saints, definitely something I recommend because, again, accessibility, right? Um, these, these are men and women that are even more accessible to us than even the Saints, right? Nursery of Heaven and Nissim, um, the Shepherd of Bethlehem. Um, take a look at, at some of Patrick's work. Patrick, I apologize. We're running out of time here. Um, we're going to have to go and really head off to a wonderful weekend. We thank you so much for being on the show uh, and keep keep pumping out the work. Awesome. Thank you both. God bless you. And again, pleasure to be with you. Yeah, great to meet you, Patrick. And keep up the good work and have a great 4th of July and be safe out there. Thank you. You too. God bless. God bless, guys. You be safe. Enjoy the uh, the wonderful weather. Enjoy the barbecue. And let's not forget about our blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Yes. July 4th, right, Billy? (laughs) You got it. God bless, brothers.